Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cigars and Syndication, Episode 4, where we're passionate about real estate and and smoking cigars. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss the four main benefits of real estate investing, and we're going to be smoking the Perez Carrillo Pledge. Uh, I'm Robbie Rogers. I'm here today with my co-host, Jay Noir, and I hope uh, everybody gets a little education in uh, real estate and uh, cigars today. Hey, everybody. My name is Junaid Noor. Welcome to Cigars and Syndications. Um, like Robbie said, you know, the, this podcast is all about uh, helping our investors, helping our followers understand more and more about investing in all different types of real estate. Uh, we have a lot of information on our website. Check out our website at www.albanyparkcapital.com. Hit the resources button and we have a whole lot of um, a, a whole lot of articles that you can go through and you can read. And feel free to send us your feedback on what you think about any of the articles or or this episode as well. Um, man, this Perez is is whew, spicy, dark. I'm not used to smoking such dark cigars, you know. But you know, we're in Houston, Texas, and it's raining on a dark day, so I guess it's just appropriate. Yeah, I agree totally, Jay. This is a really dark, a rich, uh, really creamy, thick smoke. Um, really enjoyed it so far. Um, it's got a lot of spice to it. Um, but I think, uh, I think I'm going to enjoy it throughout the whole podcast. Now, now, isn't this one of the cigars of the year, uh, for which year was it for 2022 yeah, for, for 2020 cigar of the year, got the highest rating ever of a 98. Yeah. It's, it's a good cigar, but, uh, uh, very spicy, very dark. What do you taste on there? Um, I'm getting some uh, some cocoa as well as some really good spices. I'm definitely getting a lot of pepper, but uh, we'll see how we'll see uh, how the cigar progresses as the podcast progresses. Well, today on our podcast, we're going to be talking about the benefits of real estate investing, uh, and there are four main benefits to to real estate investing. Uh, you've got the uh, the cash flow, you've got the appreciation. You've got the uh, the tax benefits, as well as the paying down of the mortgage. Uh, Jay, would you like to talk about the the cash flow on real estate investments a little bit? Yeah, so the cash flow is probably the easiest concept to to grasp. Uh, it's not the most important concept, um, but it is the easiest to, to grasp. And uh, one of the formulas that we use for calculating cash flow is called cash on cash return. And simply, cash on cash return is just the cash you receive from an investment divided by the cash that you invested. Okay. So that doesn't include the mortgage. It doesn't include anything else. So let's say you've invested, you know, a hundred thousand dollars and you're getting $10,000 a year. That's a 10% annual return. Now the cash on cash return is an important figure because what we do is we, we, uh, uh, look at that return against other, uh, types of investments to see if this is a viable, uh, investment. So for example, if, you know, in, in the last episode, we talked about how the stock market has dropped 22%. The S&P 500 has dropped 22% over the last, uh, since January of this year. Uh, that's a negative return. Now, if you're looking at, uh, 10 year treasuries, they're giving about three and a half, four percent return, uh, which is pretty good. And it's a safe return because it's backed by, you know, the full faith and credit of the United States government, which I don't know what that means anymore. Um, but 
Normally, when we look at real estate uh, investment, we are looking, we're targeting anywhere between 8 and 12% cash on cash return. Now, this is not for those people who want to flip houses, uh, because that will cover in the appreciation portion. This is for people who are investing and are investing either passively or actively. You're renting out houses, or you're even renting out Airbnbs, or you're passively invested in a property, in a large multifamily property, which is giving you a return uh, either quarterly or annually. So just to simply state it, it's, it's just your distributions that you receive that don't count towards the debt or any of your returns if the property sells. Correct. That, that, that's just simply the cash you receive either on a monthly basis if you're renting the, a house out uh, after net, basically, right? So after you've paid your mortgage, after you've paid your property taxes, how much cash do you have in hand? And divide that by the amount of cash that you put in, not including the loan that you got, and that is your cash on cash return. And like I said, for real estate, we want to target anywhere between 8 and 12% for an existing property. Then how would it be calculated at the end of the project when you did, uh, in the event that you did sell it? So that is, uh, that's a very interesting question. Uh, what happens is that what cash on cash return does not take into account, uh, ROI, and there are some other, uh, other calculations that we use. ROI takes into account your debt. So now if you take, uh, the entire investment, including how much loan you got and divided by, uh, sorry, if you take the return that you get and divided by the entire investment, that means the cash you invested plus the loan you've gotten, that number should be lower than uh, your cash on cash return because now you've included debt into the mix. Um, and then there's another return uh, metric that we we look at, which is called IRR, but we'll get into IRR a little bit later. I think uh, as we progress and we talk a little bit more about uh, the other uh, benefits of real estate, IRR will come up there somewhere along the line. Well, let's get back to appreciation because that's what happens when you sell the property. Yeah. And that's the second benefit that uh, of, of investing in real estate, which is the appreciation that you get over time. Um, and uh, when you include that in your calculation, then your your investment numbers are going to be much much higher, right? Uh, and and depending on how long you're holding it, and how long uh, how much is appreciated. For example, in Houston where we live, uh, property values have gone through the sky over the last few years, right? Uh, I had a bunch of single family homes that I bought uh, right after Harvey, and I held them for three years, and the market was so good, I sold all of them, and they appreciated very very well. Uh, you know, home prices have gone up almost 30 to 40% in, in the last few years in Houston, uh, as well as a lot of homes across the nation. So appreciation is something that is calculated, uh, either on the flip. So when you're, when you're remodeling homes and you're, uh, just flipping them, uh, that's where you count your appreciation. That's not necessarily cash flow. Now, you've done a lot of remodels. Uh, what are some of the things that, you know, can affect your appreciation negatively? Well, I mean, when you get into to the remodels, it's it's really important to evaluate the property. Um, if you go into a property and not fully aware of, of what it's going to cost you to bring this property up to value, 
then then it can really hurt your your overall um, appreciation of your property. Uh, actually, putting too much money into a property uh, where you exceed the value of the homes or other properties around you uh, can also really hurt your appreciation in, in the property. Uh, today, with with the given market and the interest rates and and um, all the uncertainties in the market, what do you think is the best gauge for for your return? So, uh, Rob, Robbie, um, the back a few years back, uh, you were looking at appreciation in in multifamily and in home values of twenty to thirty percent uh, over a three year period. You know, ten fifteen percent a year on average. Houston property and and it changes for you know city to city. But Houston property used to appreciate three to four percent a year. Um, the benefit of of owning and 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 having an investment property is that somebody else is paying you rent, giving you that cash flow, and while your property is appreciating on its own, and then that gets us into the third aspect of of owning real estate or the third benefit of owning real estate which is somebody else is paying down your mortgage yeah so i can i can see where you know paying down the the mortgage or the debt uh really has its benefits i mean especially if you're able to utilize other people's money to get this done you know if you're if you're renting these properties out and you're taking that income to reduce the mortgage debt uh, while also hopefully your property is appreciating in value given you you've bought it correctly and and done the right renovations and are in the in the right market, and that's where we get into IRR. So IRR is a calculation that we use. Uh, it's abbreviated as IRR. It's the internal rate of return, and the internal rate of return basically says that you have to get your initial investment back first, and anything above that is actually your return. So now compare that to cash on cash return. Cash on cash return basically says. This is how much cash you're receiving. This is how much you've invested. Let's say you invested $100,000 and you're receiving $10,000 a year. But what happens if you sell the property at a loss and you don't even recover that $100,000? The IRR would be negative at that point. So the IRR calculates all the, the profits that you have received above your initial investment. So if you get a 12% IRR, that means that you received your initial investment back, and now you've received 12% above that over a given period of time. So if the project is a three- or five-year project, um, the, the total IRR really doesn't come into play or cal get calculated to the end of that project? Correct. So when you sell the project, uh, so in the, in, in, in the event of a passive investment, uh, when that uh, when there's a, what's called a finance event, right? So either the project is sold off and a, a gain is uh, recognized or uh, if the project is refinanced. And then the same thing with single family rental homes, right? And again, we talk a lot more about rental homes than flipping because with flipping, it's just appreciation. Uh, it's not really about cash flow or paying down the mortgage. Uh, you don't really have those benefits as you do when you're holding a property long-term. So when you come back to um, uh, the IRR, the IRR is, is, is calculated with the, the, uh, how much the property sold for in, in, 
if it's a single family home, how much did you invest in the property? How much cash flow did you get over, you know, the three, five year term that you've held it? And then how much did you sell it for? Well, in a passive investment situation, as if an amateur investor, what would you look for for your IRR? What would you want your rate of return to be? So it that depends on the risk of the of the project, right? Um, if it's an existing property uh, and it's occupied above 90, 95%, you know, you would want your IRR to be at least between 12 and 15%, depending also on the management company your promoter, the person who is actually purchasing the property on your behalf, the general partner, and how much experience they have. Uh, if it's something that is a new construction or development, which is what we do a lot of, um, you know, you're looking for 20% or more IRR because in the first two or three years, there will be no cash flow while the project is under development. The cash flow is, is, is recognized at the end of the project, whether we refinance it or we sell it off to someone else. Well, now that we've touched on uh, the other three main topics or, or benefits of uh, real estate investment, let's get into everybody's favorite uh, tax. So the tax benefits are, are a lot, there's a lot of tax benefits with real estate uh, and, and not getting into things like opportunity zones or, or other advanced topics. The most important tax aspect or uh, tax benefit that you get from owning a single family home or even being involved in a multifamily uh, passive investment is your depreciation. Um, you get to depreciate your house. And, you know, we've had accelerated depreciation in the law uh, for the last few years. Uh, it's starting to get phased out. I believe this year, 2022 is the last year where you can take 100% of, of accelerated depreciation within the first year. Next year, it'll only be 80% that you can take within the first year. But that depreciation really helps in offsetting your, uh, your income that you've received. Now, uh, be, be, you know, people have to be aware that when you go to sell the house, uh, that depreciation does get recaptured. And, you know, Uncle Sam wants their pound of flesh. So, you know, that depreciation is going to get recaptured. And if you don't do a 1031 exchange, which again, you know, we're not your, your tax advisors, advisors, we're not your attorneys. We're just giving you information over here. So make sure you talk to your own tax advisor and talk to your own attorney regarding your particular situation. Um, but a 1031 exchange will help defer that, that, uh, that recapture and the gain that you will, you would normally get from, get, that you would normally get from selling that property. Um, whereas, uh, if you went ahead and just sold the property and had a gain, you would wind up with a uh, a, cap, uh, a depreciation recapture, and you'd wind up paying taxes on it. So you you mentioned passive investor. Um, are there any differences in in how the passive investor is taxed versus an active investor? So the active investor. Uh, so real estate is always passive, regardless of whether you are active or you are passive. Real estate is always considered passive within the tax code. The only difference is how much uh, depreciation you get to deduct against your ordinary income. So let's say you have other properties where you're making income and you have another property where you're getting depreciation. Well, you can net the two. You know, one's a passive real estate, the other is a passive real estate. But a lot of people are under this uh, misconception that they can get uh, in, uh, depreciation expenses 
off of their real estate asset and net it against their W-2 income. Well, that is possible, but it's it's limited by the IRS. It's only limited to $3,000 a year unless you're a real estate professional. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to get into what a real estate professional is. Um, but your passive income can be netted against your passive losses. So if you have other real estate where you're actually, you're not depreciating, depreciating the property anymore, or you're making a lot more income than the depreciation is allowing, then you can use another property with depreciation in it to, to net against it and, and reduce that taxable income. Well, I think we pretty much wrapped up the, uh, the end of the, the four benefits of investing in, uh, in real estate. Um, and back to more important stuff, this, uh, this Perez Carrillo pledge is an amazing smoke. Did you, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did enjoy it. Uh, it is very spicy, like I said, right from the beginning. And I don't normally smoke cigars this dark, uh, but this is a this is a very good smoke, and I really enjoyed it. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, this is uh, we this is our passion, cigars and syndications. The cigars are actually becoming a little bit more of a passion than the syndication itself. But you know, we'll we'll try to keep it balanced as much as we can. We hope you'll visit our website at albanyparkcapital.com. And uh, if you have any questions or need any further information, hit us up on any of our social media.